Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. A Canadian living in Shanghai tells us about what his life has been like during this four weeks of lockdown. A Hamilton councillor hopes to make the jump to Queen's Park. We hear from comedian Rick Mercer, who's going to be in Hamilton for the Just for Laughs comedy tour. Has your physical health been impacted during the pandemic? We talk about a new survey that shows many Canadians believe certain religions are damaging to society. And as Earth Day approaches, what can you do? to help invest in the planet. The GMH Podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton Podcast on 900 CHML. If you have not been paying attention to the COVID-19 pandemic in China, you will have missed that Shanghai, the most populated city in that country, is uh, under lockdown. One of dozens of cities in China that's under lockdown. But Shanghai is a very different scenario because most of that city's 25 million residents are being confined to their homes for a third week now as that country continues to employ a zero-tolerance approach to eliminate the virus. Matt Doyen is currently in Shanghai, has been living there uh, and has been enduring this lockdown and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Hello, Matt. How are you? Hi. Um... Doing okay. It's uh, 7.30 p.m., running a little late. I've been uh, working as a volunteer here to help out in my compound community, and I'm just doing some deliveries. I had to run home from work. So paint a picture for our listeners who may have not been following this story as closely as others. What is happening in the city right now? Well, they have implemented what we call a three-stage lockdown. That is, if someone in your community or compound has tested positive for COVID, uh, you have a seven plus seven. That means you stay in your home for seven days and then health monitoring for another seven days. If there are no uh, positive tests in your community for two weeks, then you're allowed out of your homes inside your compound, but not in the greater Shanghai area. And if there are no uh, COVID positive tests in your compound and in your region for, at this point, we're not even sure what that number is. Uh, the city opens up. We're currently in the seven plus seven and we've had our third renewal. So I heard you mentioning earlier that it's three weeks confined to our homes. Actually, our compound has now been in over four weeks. So what's that been like? A challenge. Uh, My daughter is three and a half years old and she misses her friends. She misses going outside. It's cabin fever times 10. It's not only can you not go outside, but you can't pick which foods you want. There's a very limited variety in terms of what we can get. We literally have to make our own. Uh, I've personally been baking bread as much as possible. And but unfortunately, we can't exactly get what we want in terms of materials, spices, things like that. So it's been pretty basic. And all of that food and stuff, that's being delivered to families, correct? Yes. uh, I'm actually one of the people within our compound who we do contactless delivery. That means the drivers from outside drop the food off at the front gate. We disinfect it and then wearing hazmat suits, deliver it to each apartment building. Wow. So each and every day you have to put on a hazmat suit just to deliver food and and medicine and and supplies to other neighbors, basically. Yeah. And we're volunteers. We're all volunteers. Uh, I'm on the early morning shift and it's hard work, but it really is fulfilling. The community gets to see an expat doing something other than teaching. 
And it does give us a sense of accomplishment that as a community, we've really pulled together to help each other to work things out. Yeah, hats off to you. That is pretty cool. Matt Doyen is our guest, a Shanghai resident, a Canadian expat who's living in China's most populous city that's been in lockdown for weeks now. What about schools and work? How are uh, you and your family coping with that? Uh, we're doing online classes for schools. Uh, a lot of the major international schools are still trying to do classes as best they can through online medium, uh, Zoom, etc., uh, my daughter is a bit too young to really be going to school right now. We do a lot of teaching with her at home. Uh, she studies Chinese with her mom and English with me, and we both do numbers and things like that. But uh, a lot of the families that have older students and older children, they, they're they just having to cope as best as they can. Uh, I personally do a lot of videos for my friends and neighbors uh, for teaching English and uh, geography as much as I can. But it really just comes down to what available tools are there. Do you have a a whiteboard at home, for example? Do you have markers and school supplies at home? If not, you have to improvise. Um, You mentioned having cabin fever, and I can imagine that uh, to a certain extent, because, you know, weeks on end is is a different story from what we went through here in Ontario. Um, I'm sure your daughter has said, hey, Dad, can't we just go outside and play? (laughs) number of times and yeah. it's it's heartbreaking at times when she's really wanting to get out it's a beautiful weather right now it's in the mid-20s celsius and she's desperate to go outside but we really can't let her out have you received any indication on when these lockdowns might be lifted <sighs> they've told us from day one that it'll be just a little longer just a little longer just a little longer and unfortunately uh, we really don't see an end in sight. Uh, some compounds have had a little bit of an easing. That means they're able to go outside within their compound community, but ours has not. So we really can't even begin to speculate. Well, Matt, best of luck. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to get outside and enjoy uh, uh, some sense of normalcy in uh, the days uh, to come. Well, thank you, Rick. And it's been great to talk with you. Matt Doyen is a Shanghai resident, a Canadian expat living in China's most populous city, uh, enduring, and and that might be an understatement, the latest lockdown as the zero-tolerance approach continues in China to combat and eliminate the virus. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Interesting news over the weekend, and it seems as we draw closer and closer to the June 2nd provincial election, more and more recognizable names are coming to the fore and seeking perhaps a seat at Queen's Park, including City Councillor Jason Farr, who says he's going to run for the Ontario Liberal Party in the riding of Hamilton East Stony Creek. Joining us now is Councillor Farr. Jason, good morning. How are you? Very good. Thank you, Rick, and good morning, Hamilton. I think the first question everyone is asking is, why make this move? Well, you know, three terms, 12 years on City Council, where uh, downtown you learn a lot and uh, you uh, have the uh, honor of uh, representing locally the citizens and, uh, you know, I think some unprecedented growth in, um, you know, everything from socioeconomics to uh, arts and culture and all of those things. And so the experience is there and the desire probably has been there, Rick, since 1977. So was this a question of, um, you know, you, you did everything you could at the council table. Now it's time for a, a, a different challenge. Is that fair to say? 
Well, I'll, I'll say this for Ward 2, there'll never be a shortage of uh, new challenges. So uh, I, I do feel I've worked very hard. I, I uh, have learned, I think, especially in the last four days, but I've heard in the past uh, from people who are, are grateful to see the progress and the revitalization that's gone on. And that's people from across Hamilton. I mean, more restaurants and more uh, cultural amenities and uh, new community centers and redeveloped parks and those kinds of things, of course, are noticed and uh, you feel proud of your, your record. But uh, that work, you know, will always continue for, uh, you know, a major Canadian city and the heart of it. But I, I certainly feel confident in my experience. And the one thing about municipal politics is there's that constant interaction with the provincial game. With every big career decision such as this, there's a list of pros and cons that a person has to weigh. What factors did you consider? Well, the first thing is family, right? You you need to talk to uh, the wife and the son in my case, and uh, they have been supportive for three municipal campaigns uh, to date. In fact, uh, they help on the Huskings and all of those things. And so uh, I, I expected that they would be behind me. Of course, there was lots of questions and considerations. This would have been the first conversation, and it was more than a few months ago, as, as a matter of fact. And and then from there, yeah, you need to uh, understand uh, you know, what the job entails. I think I had a pretty good idea. Uh, you have to have that confidence. And then, of course, you know, this is a homecoming for, for me. You know, I'm, a, I'm an East End kid. And uh, the support around the campaign is essential, too. And uh, that's where I'm just totally overwhelmed, Rick. Uh, people have been coming out uh, from uh, all areas of uh, Hamilton East Stony Creek, and it's uh, humbling, to say the least. And so all of those pieces um, are, are things you need to understand and appreciate and line up, and I think we're there. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Jason Farr, Councillor for Ward 2, City of Hamilton, vying for the Hamilton East Stony Creek Provincial Seat under the Liberal banner. Other city councillors have either stepped away from politics over the last little while. Some have made the jump to other levels of government. Has, has that change at City Hall impacted your decision at all? Uh, no, it was kind of expected, you know, so, uh, the you know, Judy and, and, and Brenda and the, and the retirements that we're hearing about, I mean, they've worked very hard and, and they've been at it for over a decade as well. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think all of us expected at some point Chad was going to take the leap. He was certainly encouraged to do so for a long time, 26 or seven years, I guess, as a Ward 5 councillor and hugely successful on uh, moving this city forward. And, and, and things like that uh, weren't too much of a surprise. Uh, certainly, I, 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 I would... Uh, have to admit to you, Rick, that there's going to be significant change to the uh, landscape of local politics in the new term. Uh, there's going to be a lot of new councillors. Um, uh, there's a there's a hotly contested uh, mayor's race uh, underway. We'll find out if uh, Fred Eisenberger wants to uh, join the fray officially, I'm sure, soon. But uh, certainly others have uh, announced their intentions. And so I've noticed it. For me personally, it was that. It was personal. It was a decision that I made that I've been contemplating for a long, long time. And and uh, I think the time the time for me is, is right. And uh, certainly uh, I'm going to work very, very hard. I think I understand uh, the issues very well, having, uh, you know, only a short time ago, Rick knocked on a few thousand doors for that hugely successful Chad Collins campaign, and the Hamilton East Stony Creek residents are frustrated. I know that. I spoke to them personally just a few months ago, and it's the polarization, I think, of the left and the right that's frustrated them the most, and, and some are feeling excluded. They want 
to know more about a, a solid plan for housing affordability for for, for their kids. Uh, you know, health care is hugely important. Seniors' care is a, is a major issue, and so I'll just be um, extending those conversations, understanding what it is that uh, Hamilton East Stony Creek residents uh, want to hear about, want us to do for them, and uh, certainly sharing what I think is going to be the best platform in the June 2nd election. Jason, appreciate the time. Good luck on the campaign trail. I really appreciate it too, Rick. I, uh, thanks for everything, and good morning again to Hamilton. Jason Farr, Councillor Ward 2, City of Hamilton, running for the Ontario Liberals in Hamilton East Stony Creek in this June 2nd election. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We have the pleasure of talking to a Canadian comedian superstar. You know him, you love him. Rick Mercer joins us here on Good Morning Hamilton. Rick, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Hamilton. It's great to be here. You are the host of the Just for Laughs Comedy Night in Canada tour, which kicks off tonight in Moncton. You visit Hamilton on April 28th. They'll be playing uh, First Ontario Concert Hall. We can't wait to see you back in Hamilton. And uh, I know the iconic brand is uh, behind you guys as well. How excited are you to get in front of a live audience once again? I can't tell you. I cannot tell you. I, in 2019, when I left my TV show, my, my, my dream was to do a big stand-up tour and go across Canada. So I did it with Just for Laughs. It was called Comedy Night in Canada Tour. But I also said I can't host a show called Comedy Night in Canada unless it's all Canadian lineup. And they did that for the first time ever. We put a bum in every single seat. We sold out from St. John's to Victoria. I had so much fun. So I signed immediately on the dotted line to do it the next year. Of course, the pandemic happened. We, we, we've been postponed 15 times, but now I'm here. We're ready to go on stage. Tickets have been sold. It's it's really happening, and people are just so excited. You can't, you can't believe how excited we are because if you're in show business, you can't really work from home. So many people were fortunate they can work from home, but in show business, you can't work from home. You can be unemployed from home. That's about it. So we're just <laughs> chomping at the bit to get out there on the road. Well, I know that uh, fans are chomping at the bit to see you and the rest of the lineup. What can we expect to see on this tour? Uh, well, it's a fantastic lineup. Iman Al Husseini, a woman from Montreal who moved to New York. She's been killing it touring stand-up around the world ever since. She is a perennial fan favorite at the Just for Last Festival in in Montreal. Every single year, she's a fan favorite. Uh, Dave Mirhej, of course, uh, uh, he's he won the Juno for Best Comedy Album. He's such a funny guy. Uh, uh, Ivan Decker, also a Juno Award winner. Also, I toured with him the last time. The guy is one of my favorite comics of all time. He's just so funny. The great thing about a show like this, you got brilliant comics like that at the top of their game. And so in the 90 minutes or whatever the show will run, the, like the laughs start in the first minute and they just roll for 90 minutes. And it, I can't think of anything that people need more than that right now. It's, uh, it's just, I, I can't wait. We're chatting with Rick Mercer, who is the host of Just for Laughs Comedy Night in Canada. The tour begins tonight in Moncton, New Brunswick. It comes to Hamilton on Thursday, April 28th at uh, First Ontario Concert Hall. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. What's it like touring with a bunch of other comedians? Is it all laughs all the time? Yeah, it's pretty good. The last tour, I really enjoyed it. One of the reasons I loved it so much was not just the performing, but to get to spend time with comedians and, and uh, learn from them and people from different backgrounds and from different necks of the woods and different career experiences. But yeah, there's obviously a lot of laughs and uh, that's, that's part of the appeal. 
it's uh it's a slog touring it's always <laughs> been a slog and this is this tour is pretty intensive it does like i said does go from st john's to victoria but it's just such a I, I can't tell you what an honor it is to be able to do something like this and play big rooms a thousand seats two thousand seats three thousand seats in some instances it's just an incredible honor and uh and I, I'm just so glad that things are opening up and we're back and, and we got through this thing and there's plenty of laughs to mine and I just can't wait. Speaking of the last couple of years, what's kept you busy? How have you coped? Oh, I was really lucky because, as I said, in show business, you can't really work from home, but I wrote a book and that was great because I've never, ever been successful at anything that uh, doesn't have an imposed deadline. Like this, I, I wouldn't just sit around in my house and write a 40-minute stand-up comedy set left to my own devices. I have to know that, oh, no, on April 19th, I'll be on stage in Moncton, <laughs> and so you better get your work done. And it was the same with the book. And I really, I took the the writing in the book very seriously, and I, and I turned it into basically a banker's job. Every day at 9 o'clock, I went into my shed, lit the wood stove, and then I wrote till 12, and then took an hour off, and then I went back in. You know, one o'clock until five. And that's that's how I wrote the book. And uh, it really it did save me because otherwise I would have had nothing. And I've never had that experience. And uh, I don't want to ever have it. Comedian Rick Mercer is going to stick around as we continue to talk about the Just for Laughs Comedy Night in Canada, which comes to Hamilton on April the 28th. Tickets, by the way, at hahaha.com. I'll ask Rick about uh, his uh, political leanings when we come back in five minutes. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is comedian, author, officer of the Order of Canada, Rick Mercer, hosting Just for Laughs Comedy Night in Canada. It debuts tonight in Moncton, New Brunswick, arrives at Hamilton's first Ontario concert hall on April the 28th. You have a pretty good pulse on the political theater in this country. What do you make of the current political climate in Canada? Well, it's shaping up to be very interesting. You know, the Conservatives are having a yet another liberal leadership. The Conservatives are shaping up to have another Conservative leadership race, and uh, they've had a lot of them of late. If you don't follow politics, all you really need to know is that every time the Conservatives get a new leader, you got to change the batteries in your smoke detector. <laughs> but this is a this is a very unique. Like normally. <laughs> When a party is choosing a leader, it's very inside baseball. The only people involved are diehard party stalwarts. Yeah. Uh, Pierre Poiliev is out there on the road. Uh, he's getting 500, 1,000, 1,500 people a stop. This is, this is unprecedented in federal politics. Normally, if you're running for the leadership, you're standing around in a hotel ballroom and there's maybe 50 or 60 diehards there that's it so he's got a real movement going on and of course that represents generational change and then you have trudeau the young is no longer the young and hopefully he's near the end he's sputtering to his finish line whenever <laughs> he's going to announce that i have no idea yeah. but it's an interesting time in canadian politics there's no doubt about it changes in the air and whether that means trudeau goes and he's replaced or or there's a new conservative leader this it's going to be a very different landscape very soon very much so. We're chatting with Rick Mercer, comedian, author, officer of the Order of Canada, also the host of Just for Laughs Comedy Night in Canada. The tour debuts tonight in Moncton, New Brunswick. It arrives at Hamilton's first Ontario Concert Hall on Thursday, April the 28th. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. I'm not sure if you've been asked this question, and if you have, it's probably not 
gone this way, but if Rick Mercer was a politician who played hockey, would he be holding his stick right-handed, left-handed, or would he play goalie? (laughs) Oh, I get that question all the time. If I only had a dollar for every time that question was asked, I don't know what's more unlikely, that I would ever become a politician or you'd find me playing hockey at any level other than on the pond behind the house that I grew up in. Um, I think I'd like to be in goal. I think that's where I would like to be. Uh, When this comedy tour wraps up next month, what's next on your list? Uh, what's next on the list is, uh, wow, that's a big question. I'm going to write a second book. Nice. When I started writing Talking to Canadians, which is the name of my book, my editor said, don't worry about chronological order, just write your memoir. But I couldn't imagine doing it in any other way than chronological order. So I started at the beginning. And then when I got to the point where I had moved to Toronto and started the Rick Mercer Report, he said, okay, stop, you've got a book now. And so there's a whole new chapter or a bunch of chapters hopefully that i would like to write about there's a lot of fun stories about being on the road i was on the road for 16 years and cross paths with a lot of famous canadians a lot of regular canadians there was a lot of adventures there were near-death experiences (laughs) i think there's a book there so i'm gonna go back to the shed look at the whales out my window and write another book Fire up the wood burning stove and take that one hour break and away you go. Is this going to be? Right. Is this going to be like a series, like the Chronicles of Narnia? Only this will be the Chronicles of Mercer. No, I think I think I'll stop it too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is an upcoming revival of the Kids in the Hall on Prime Video. Yeah. Uh, may we one day see you involved in a similar reboot of whether it's the Mercer Report or Twenty Two Minutes? Uh, you know, it's funny because of writing the book. I I reached out and spoke to a lot of uh, my old 22 minute gang i mean we always stayed friendly of course but you never know you, you know, never say never in in this business because i i can be pretty sure if you asked the kids in the hall a couple of years ago would this happen they might have said nah they don't see that on the horizon they were all doing so many different things um so yeah never say never and i stay in contact with the people that i traveled on the road with with the mercy report a lot and uh, we reminisce a little bit too much. And of course, the next step would be, well, let's just go do it again. But who knows? Uh, it's not necessarily easier said than done, though. No. And of course, these are, you know, I was really lucky that I got to wrap up the Mercer Report on my own terms. But had I decided not to wrap it up, I think we would have been wrapped up anyway, because the COVID just would have killed us. I used to go to two different towns a year, uh, two different towns a week. And I would you know, hug 100 people and shake hands with 200 people a week on camera. It just probably wouldn't have been able to continue. And so if I want to go back to TV, I'll probably just come up with something else. Why not? His name is Rick Mercer. He's a national treasure. He's the host of Just for Laughs Comedy Night in Canada. It premieres tonight in Moncton, New Brunswick. It comes to Hamilton's first Ontario Concert Hall Thursday, April the 28th. We can't wait to see you here in the Hammer. Best of luck with the tour, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. And people can get tickets at hahaha.com. Excellent. Spelled just the way you would imagine. Hahaha.com. <laughs> and by the time we get to Hamilton, all the bugs will be worked out. So that's the show you don't want to miss. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Rick. Thank you. H-A-H-A-H-A.com. Hahaha.com to get your tickets for Just for Laughs Comedy Night in Canada with host Rick Mercer and starring Dave Maherji, uh, Aman El Husseini, and Ivan Decker. Sounds like it's going to be a pretty good show. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Speaking of getting out there and getting a little active, 
we, we've come to know that during the pandemic, you know, with restrictions and lockdowns, more and more people working from home, uh, gyms being closed, it's been tough sledding. It's been tough sledding trying to stay fit, trying to stay active. So much so that a recent survey from Orange Theory Fitness shows that 49% of Ontarians reported working out less during the pandemic, even though they noticed that their body, their mental health was declining, wasn't as in tip-top shape as it has been in the past. Ian Smith is a franchise owner with Orange Theory Fitness Canada and a board member with the Fitness Industry Council of Canada and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Ian. How are you? Morning, Rick. Thanks for having me on. So it sounds like more and more Ontarians, probably more and more Canadians, have put on a few more pounds during the pandemic. What's it looking like out there? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you called it out there with a great stat uh, that Orange Theory did with our survey. It's 49% of people say they have recognized, you know, a, a decline in both their physical and mental health. Uh, and uh, fair enough, I think it's been a very challenging in two plus years for everyone. It's a lot of changes have happened. A lot of people moving to remote work, um, which just in nature is going to be a lot less movement within the day, um, rolling kind of gym closures across the country. So limiting that access, the you know ease of being able to get into a facility where you can stay active. So there's been a lot of barriers which have made it a lot more difficult. And it's, you know, it's something that takes work in the first place. You know, there's only a certain percent of the population that is relatively active and you know, focuses that in their lifestyle. Um, and then putting these extra bears in place just makes it a lot more difficult to kind of maintain that routine. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now thinking, yeah, I, I got to get into a gym. I got to get more active. I got to shed, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, who knows how many pounds. Um, and they're thinking about how to do it and how to con- how, how to do it continuously. Because as we know, especially around, you know, the, the New Year's resolutions time, a lot of people have these thoughts in their mind, but the execution kind of falls flat. What, what's the key to those people who are saying, yeah, I got to get back into the gym or I got to get in shape? Well, I think it's a couple of different things. I think one in, you know, just within each person, it's realizing the importance of it, which the one kind of thing that's came out of the pandemic is we have seen that mental shift a bit. And even some interesting stats that came out of the, the survey along with that 49% is, you know, 80% have seen their physical health suffer enough. And there was 73% of people saying that taking care of themselves was one of the big kind of driving factors of getting back into some sort of fitness routine, getting back into a gym. So I think, I mean, that's the big part of the people that we see embody fitness as like everyday life and they have some part of that as their routine. It's they really have come to agree with themselves. They realize the importance of it. They realize the kind of impact it has on their overall life, like how they interact and how they socialize, how they feel mentally. Um, And once they're bought into that, I think that's the driving force that keeps people consistent, keeps them coming back. Um, And I think the pandemic has heighten the awareness around that. We're chatting with Ian Smith here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Ian is a franchise owner with Orange Theory Fitness Canada, also a board member with the Fitness Industry Council of Canada. How does physical health impact one's mental health? A, a ton of ways. I mean, if one is you get just the, the sheer endorphins of when you work out. I'm sure too, Rick, if you've you know, done any sort of kind of workout, even playing sports, physical activity, you get that kind of rush and endorphins, you feel a lot better, um, helps with just mental clarity, 
And when you overall, your body feels good, just how you go about your day to day, you're going to feel a lot better. You're going to feel more confident. You're going to feel more energized. Uh, a big part of Orange Theory, we, we say it encompasses more life. And it's because that physical exercise does impact kind of every aspect of your life. And then with that, you have the, the mental benefits. Some people might be a little worried about returning to the gym while we're still in a pandemic. What can people expect when they do return to the gym? Yeah, well, I think throughout, I mean, most facilities and across Ontario and across Canada have adopted um, a lot of different safety procedures throughout the pandemic to make the environment as safe as possible. So I know like with Orange Series, we've enhanced all kind of cleaning protocols, um, you know, we, we are fortunate we're in a country, we're in a province where there's a very high vaccination rate. So there is a lot of factors that do limit the risk. Um, you know, we're still obviously seeing cases, we're still working through this pandemic. But the sentiment like I've seen from my studio and we've seen from members coming back is they are happy to be back there. They understand the risk element that's there, but they realize everything that's being done to limit that risk and they feel comfortable with it and they see the the benefit of going and realizing protecting their health by being active, by li- like living an active lifestyle is kind of worth that, that risk. What about people who have been working out from home and are itching to get back into the gym? Is there going to be a difference that they notice? Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of people, like you're limited what you can do at home. Um, something we kind of he- hear a lot is that the social aspect as well of going to a gym and, being surrounded by, even if you're not fully interacting with everyone, but just being surrounded by people that are set out there after the same kind of goals that you are, there's a big motivating factor in doing that. And then just in terms of access to equipment, right, is not everyone has kind of full equipment at home that you're able to do everything that you'd be looking to do. So a lot of times it's very limited, um, especially in more urban areas. Like I'm in Toronto with my studio, so it's a lot of condos you're very limited kind of what equipment you have. So the idea of going back to a fitness facility, I think one from just a community and from a motivational standpoint, it's completely night and day different than working out at home alone. Um, and then just from a, a equipment standpoint as well, you're equipped a lot better in a facility. I would agree with that. Ian, really appreciate your time today. Best of luck going forward uh, with getting more people fit. Thanks so much for having me on. Enjoy your morning. You too. Ian Smith, franchise owner with Orange Theory Fitness Canada, also a board member with the Fitness Industry Council of Canada. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. I think just in general, we are becoming a more secularized country. So much of it has to do as well with um, the way we're raised, uh, it has to do with with generational change. Religion, it's the focus of our Twitter poll question today at AM900CHML. Would you consider yourself a religious person? 67% say no, 33% thus far say yes. You have until 6 tonight to cast your vote. We'll recap the results for you on tomorrow's edition of Good Morning Hamilton. But we're chatting about religion And in relation to an Angus Reid survey, an interesting one at that, that shows that many Canadians feel certain religions are damaging to society. David Haskell is an associate professor of digital media and journalism, religion and culture at Wilfrid Laurier University and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, David. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. This survey, as I mentioned, an interesting one. It suggests that many Canadians 
uh, believe that Catholicism, evangelical Christianity, and Islam are more damaging to society than beneficial. Uh, to me, that seems troubling, maybe even a bit of a head-scratcher. What do you make of it? Yeah, well, the, the greatest disconnect for me is um, with the evangelical Christians, because they, they are experiencing the most hostility in terms of the survey that was done. And, and there's a disconnect there, because, in fact, when you look at the survey data for other things, like, for example, volunteering, evangelicals actually volunteer twice as much as the average Canadian, and when they do, they commit 40% more hours. And that's outside of their churches. Like a lot of people say, well, they're doing it in their church. Well, no, no, it's actually uh, in secular fields where they're doing their volunteering, uh, related to uh, foster parenting, which we would see as a social good. They, they are twice as likely to be foster parents, um, related to charity, charitable giving. They give three times as much as the average Canadian. So when, when you look at the poll and it says that people perceive evangelicals in particular as uh, being um, a drag on society or, or uh, causing more harm than good, that's a real head-scratcher because the, the survey data from Stats Canada and, and from other um, research just shows that they really do contribute to the overall benefit of society. So that, that to me, really stood out. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. I, for me, it's a bit of a head-scratcher as well, because I think people who attend church on a regular basis are contributors to society in terms of that volunteerism, that sharing of goodwill. Uh, so yeah, m- maybe a bit of a disconnect for me as well. The survey also shows that Canadians... Uh, at least many of them are not keeping the faith. Only 18% identify as religiously committed. Your reaction to that number? Well, you know, we've seen this uh, trend, this downward trend. It actually began in the 1960s in earnest, and um, it's just continuing here. And there are a number of factors. I mean, I often equate it to what we would see in business. You've got both supply and demand. And, and a lot of sociologists would say, and I'm one of them, that there's typically uh, a constant demand for religion, but, but you can um, artificially uh, dampen that demand by stigmatizing it. So in the cases uh, of Catholicism, for example, or, or evangelical Christianity, there's a dampening or a tamping down of demand uh, through the stigmatization. Now, one of my areas of research is media bias, in particular media bias against um, Christianity in Canada. And I've been looking at that for years. And and there's pretty good evidence that the media, because they tend to lean more liberal uh, and they don't share the same values as conservative Catholics or evangelicals, they will often frame their stories in a way that depicts them more negatively, which then in turn leads to greater stigmatization. And when you stigmatize something, people are going to want it less. David Haskell is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. David is an associate professor of digital media and journalism, religion and culture at Wilfrid Laurier University. We're talking about an Angus Reid survey that shows that Canadians feel that certain religions are damaging to society. StatsCan data shows that one-fifth of Canadians, about 19%, now classify themselves as non-believers. I would think that most people say they believe in a higher power, but don't feel the need to praise it. Does that mean that maybe we're more spiritual than religious? Yeah, that's an interesting categorization. Um, uh, Nancy Ammerman, she's a prof, or at least she was at um, Boston University. She looked at what that actually meant. And the people who say, I'm more spiritual than religious, when you dig into it and you say, well, what do you mean by spiritual? And they might say, well, I, I go for a walk on the beach. Their spirituality often looks 
almost like people who aren't spiritual. And in terms of their, their what we would consider religious behavior, do they actually pray? Do they, do they volunteer? Do they do charity? Those who claim spirituality tend not to do any of those things. It seems that it just, uh, they're trying to differentiate themselves from people who might be completely materialistic, and, it, and it's virtue signaling to a certain extent. I'm going to say I'm spiritual. I really don't do anything, but I'll call myself spiritual because it's an easy get. And so uh, there's a danger in society if people are going to say they're spiritual. It means that there'll be a, a societal deficit in terms of things like charity or volunteering. And it's almost, as, and we'll have about a minute to discuss this, it's almost as if religion has become a convenience. I'm going to tap into it when I need it. Yeah, well, and, and certainly religion is tough. I mean, I think the uh, Latin for religion it comes from uh, religio, which means to be pruned and, and cultivated. It's a gardening metaphor, and uh, it's sort of who wants to be strapped to the trellis and uh, be forced to grow a particular way. Uh, as we become increasingly more individualistic in society, as we're, as we're told that um, you should follow your dreams or, or don't listen to anyone but listen to your heart, I think that's antithetical to the Christian or the Muslim or the Hindu message, which says follow a particular, a particular doctrinal path, which we might be bucking against. Religion has always been and will continue to be a fascinating topic. David, appreciate your time today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. David Haskell, Associate Professor, Digital Media and Journalism, Religion and Culture at Wilfrid Laurier University. And vote now in our Twitter poll question today. Would you consider yourself a religious person? 30% say yes. 69% actually, pardon me, 70% now are saying no, they are not. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. This Friday is Earth Day. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, we're always worried about climate change, how our climate has been impacted by the things that we have done over the past few generations. But there is a little bit, a wee bit of light at the end of the tunnel here. We, we can still make a difference. We can still protect our planet. We can still go out and uh, reduce, reuse, and recycle to the best of our ability. So as Earth Day approaches, what can you do? What are some of the small steps you can take to make our planet a little bit greener? Stephanie Moram is a green living expert and the CEO and founder of Good Girl Gone Green. Stephanie, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. The theme for Earth Day 2022 is invest in our planet. How do we do that? Gosh, that's such a big topic, right? (laughs) I think people get overwhelmed with all the things they should be doing and aren't doing potentially. And I think the number one thing when it comes to living more green, living more sustainable is to create habits around things that you're already not doing. So for example, if you struggle with bringing your water bottle with you, you continuously forget it. So work on that for 30 days and just keep bringing your water bottle. Forget about the other things right away. Forget about the bag, forget about the coffee mug. Once that water bottle is now a habit, and you never forget it, and it's second nature, move on to the next thing you want to change. Because like I said, I feel like it's super overwhelming for people. And it's like a deer caught in the headlights. They just freeze, and I'm just not going to do anything because I can't remember my water bottle. (laughs) For those uh, listeners who have kids, kids are are, are giant sponges. They're always kind of (laughs) ingesting and digesting what uh, their parents or guardians are doing. Uh, What are some of the examples we should be setting for our kids? I think it's just, you know, leading by example. Um, For example, I have two kids 
And this is all they know. This is they grew up living in the sustainability world. Um, but, you know, there's been struggles. So I think it's really just leading by example. Um, my daughter at first hated buying secondhand. Um, I love Facebook Marketplace. So if you want secondhand stuff, Facebook Marketplace is the place to be, literally. Um, and so I stopped struggling with her. I stopped saying, hey, go to Facebook Marketplace or we're going to the secondhand store. It was just she just kept hearing me say, oh, I want to buy, I need to buy soccer cleats for my son. I'm going to Facebook Marketplace. So I just kept repeating it every time I did it. And eventually my daughter caught on and said, oh, if I want something, if I go to Facebook Marketplace, there's a better chance I'm going to get it. So she would start searching on Facebook Marketplace for books that she wanted. And she'd come to me and say, hey, the book I want is $3. I found it on Facebook Marketplace. So it wasn't a struggle. So I really believe it's leading by example and showing your kids, like, you know, start gardening. Or when you're leaving the house, say, oh, don't forget your water bottle. Or don't forget um, whatever it is that, that you want them to remember when it comes to sustainability. So I, I really, really, truly believe it's leading by example and not, not forcing them to live this green lifestyle. And I think that's true for everybody, even for, for adults. Earth Day is this Friday, and we're talking about it on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML with Stephanie Morham. She is a green living expert and CEO and founder of Good Girl Gone Green. Uh, we have, uh, for the past number of generations now, uh, referred to the term of reduce, reuse, and recycle. Are we doing a good enough job in any of those three areas? <laughs> I think it's more the systems that are in place versus the people um, I think there could be better systems in place for recycling. Um, I think there could be better systems in place um, for composting. Uh, but as a whole, I think I think we're doing okay. I think we can always do better. I think a lot of people aren't educated on what they can and cannot recycle because it varies from city to city. So, for example, Hamilton might not have the same recycling criteria as Montreal. So I think it's becoming familiar with what you can recycle. So when it comes to recycling, it's super important that you look, if you're recycling plastic, to look at the triangles to make sure all those numbers are curbside recycling. It's to make sure that the things you're actually putting in the recycling can be recycled because if you put something in the recycling that is not recyclable or they do not accept, it just slows down the whole process when it arrives at the recycling facility. Uh, so like, for example, if plastic bags are just not accepted even though they can be recycled a lot of facilities don't accept them so if you start putting plastic bags into your recycling bins like i said it just slows down the process it jams the machines um and then it just takes longer for the recycling to happen so i think we can always do better i think it's about education educating ourselves on what can go in the recycling bin what can go in our compost bin um, and you're talking about reusing. It's my favorite tip to give is to always reuse what you are already have as much as possible. So before you spend money and go in and buy something potentially new, look around your house and think, hey, do I have something I can already use? If you need a vase for flowers, do I have glass jars at home that I can potentially use so I can save some money? So I think when it comes to reusing what you already have, on one side, you can save money. 
And then you're also being gentle on the planet by not consuming new things. We have 90 seconds with uh, Stephanie Morum, green living expert, CEO and founder of Good Girl Gone Green. You can check out her website, goodgirlgonegreen.com. Uh, a big thrust during the pandemic was shop local, buy local, help local right. uh, businesses. That also has a green part to it, doesn't it? Right. So if you are shopping locally and buying locally, you're supporting your community. You're putting money back into your local community. But if you're buying from local vendors, um, you know, your food is from local, like is from a local farm, you know, whatever it is that you're buying is from local, the transportation is less, right? You're not getting your, your, whatever your, whatever you're buying, your cucumbers aren't being shipped from, you know, California or they're not being shipped from Mexico. Um, they're being produced locally than the impact when it comes to the distance that that cucumber is traveling is much less. Um, also, the food tastes better, <laughs> much better when you get it locally. If you're buying items, you know, not supporting, try not to support the big box stores. I always, you know, recommend look locally, look at those small stores that might have some really cool things that you can buy. So I try as much as possible to, you know, go to those local stores because I want to give back to the community and I also want to support those entrepreneurs and those, those small businesses that are really trying to make a change versus the big box stores, and particularly. The yeah, and the carbon footprint is uh, much more minuscule, that is for sure. Stephanie, we're out of time. Appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Happy Earth Day. Yeah, same to you. Stephanie Morham is a green living expert, CEO and founder of Good Girl Gone Green. You can find her online, goodgirlgonegreen.com. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast it's free so you never miss an episode and make sure you rate and review